Well, tonight I want to talk to you about um, uh, faith and hope. I know I've been on a little bit of a kick of faith. It's been on my heart to stir the faith that's in you. Uh, I want to talk about that tonight, but in relation to hope. Hope. Can I say that our faith depends on us living in hope? Did you hear me? Our faith depends on us having hope. Do you have hope? Do you have hope? Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I pray this word is an encouragement to you. Boy, I know as I get in the word and the Lord reveals the topic for church, and, and, and as I pray for you all, and the Lord tends to work it into my heart, and it becomes something evolving, and I, I just love that. It's, it's so exciting to me. I just love sort of wrestling with that a little bit and figuring it out. And it was so exciting when I got it. I was like, this is so neat. So I hope you feel the same way. So neat. Isn't the word of God neat? I hope it's neat to you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope fully on the grace that is to, that is to you to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. With some strong words there by Brother Peter, amen? You know, saints, I'm going to, as you probably well know this, right off the bat, Peter is talking to believers. He's talking to those who have accepted Jesus Christ. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, these are words you can look at and listen to and, and apply to your life. Jumping back up to verse 13 was sort of the, the, the scripture for the evening. You know, we don't often use the phrase, gird up the loins of your mind. I don't really see the word loins. Actually, I went to a Living Word volleyball game, and there was a cheer going on. The cheer was G-O-G-O-L-G-O-L-O-I-N-S. And my wife and I looked at each other and said, did they just say go loins? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Instead of go lions, it was go loins. But that's the last time I heard the word loins being used in public besides reading the bird. Besides reading the Bible. The poor JV boys were all out there like, what? <laughs> like, so that's, the, that's honestly the last time I heard the word loins being used. But here we see it in the word of God. Amen? Gird up the loins of your mind. You know, the word gird means to tighten up so as not to hinder movement. Um, in my little bit of research that I did with that word gird, it means basically... It was a reference to sort of the old times in the Bible when they wore long garments. And when they wanted to get moving or they were working at something, they would actually roll up their garments around their waist and tie them tight so they could be free and not restricted in their movements. That's what this word gird means, to sort of tighten up, to firm up, to gird, to have some, re to have some constraints so you have 
focused. So you can, whatever task you're doing, you can be involved into it. You don't have to be hindered by your garment that's slowing you down or tripping you up. That makes sense, right? And obviously the word loins, uh, we tend to think of the hip and the groin area. And there's a reference to the procreative power, you know, um, um, of the word loin. But here, Peter is referencing it to our mind. Our mind. And it's referring to the generative power of the mind to be creative. You know, saints, our minds can be very creative. They're very imaginative. Go very deep in thought and meditate. Ponder. Think about all the creations of this world that men have thought of. Some very good creations. Physics and chemistries. You know, Brother Tony was just sharing with Brother Brian and I, Brother Tony Gray, how, how the, uh, you know, if you looked in the early, early on, the, the volume of chemistry books, I think Brother Tony said it was like this, this many books. It was like this wide. Within five years, it had tripled. Within 10 years, it had quadrupled. And now you look at the angles of chemistry, and it could probably take up a whole library. You see, over men's minds can be very creative and can figure things out and can imagine things and work at things. This is what Peter's getting at here. Your mind. Your, the, the, the loin of your mind, the, the ability to be imaginative and create and to meditate and to think. Peter was telling Christians, like he's telling us tonight, Lighten, tighten up the thoughts and imaginations of your mind. Bind them up. Don't let them be willy-nilly. Don't let them be free to go wherever you want them to go. Whatever ambitions in your heart, oh, let me think about that. Let me meditate on that for a while. Peter's saying, no, don't do that. Tighten it up. Tighten it up. Why? So you can be free to think about the hope that is before you. So your mind is free to think about the hope that is before you. So that hope that is there, that Peter referenced in verse 13, is not tripped up on or stumbled up, stumbled up on your own creativity. We love being creative, amen? Some of us love it. We're very art, thinking of things. But saints, our minds, this might be a shocker, can get in the way of us fulfilling God's call in our life. We can get in the way sometimes of us fulfilling God's call in our life. And Peter's saying, don't let it happen. Rein it in. Tighten up what's in your mind. Like I said, there's no doubt creative thought and imaginations has allowed humans to do some great things. But you know what, saints? It also has allowed humans to do some very not-so-good things. And I would venture to say, if you weigh them against each other, the not-so-good things probably vastly outweigh the good things. Peter is telling believers, us, followers of Christ, tighten up your thinking. Tighten up your daydreams. You ever have a daydream? Sort of go into thought somewhere. You disappear on the beach somewhere. During the middle of class, maybe you're daydreaming right now. You have a daydream. Peter's saying, make those daydreams matter before the Lord. Make them matter before the Lord. Don't let yourself go with your own thoughts. Don't let yourself go down paths. Before you know it, you don't know where you are. Do you know you can talk yourself into not liking someone? 
You know you can justify, as Brother Brian was mentioning recently, justify a sexual immorality in your life. You can justify it to your heart. We see this all the time in our world with sexual deviations. They justify it as righteous, as a right thing for them. This can be unhealthy, especially spiritual unhealthy. Peter instead references two things for your mind to be, to be thinking about. Sober and hopeful. Sober and hopeful. You can see it right in verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope fully. Sober and hope fully. Sober. I'm going to go right at the definitions here. Like one would abstain from wine. That's sober. Don't get drunk, right? In your mind. Don't let your mind go stumble back and forth. Let your mind be focused. Let your mind be alert. Let your mind be conscious of what's going on around you. Let your mind never be got caught off guard. Amen? That's what Peter's saying. Be sober. Abstain from sinful imaginations. It means to have a mind that is calm, a mind that is collected, a mind that is temperate, circumspect, discreet, but watchful. Looking out, what's coming at me? What's coming in my heart? What am I hearing? What am I looking for? This is what the mind should be doing. The mind of a Christian should always be on its A game. Well, how does this relate to my Christian walk? What am I hearing right now? Is it good? Is it encouraging? Is it positive? Or is it evil? Is it distracting? Is it pulling me away? Saints, it's very important to let our minds be sober, be upright, be just. The word hope fully, in this case hope, as we read in verse 13, is all about Jesus and his glorious return and the wonderful way in which our life and this world will be made anew. This is the hope we have. The hope is about Jesus coming back and redeeming men and redeeming, reconciling himself to those who have believed on him, who have accepted his death, have gave their lives for him as he gave his life for us. In other words, Peter is reminding us, be focused and disciplined, full of hope on Jesus every day. Every day. Every day. It seems like a lot, doesn't it, saints? It seems like, wow, this can be really unrealistic. Every single moment, every hour, every minute, my heart should be focused on Jesus. My thoughts, my thoughts have to be pinning back and forth. What should they do? Like, like our thoughts are like an like a, a airport. Something comes in, lands. Do we unload that plane? We don't unload that plane. It goes out the other ear. It takes off. It comes in, touches down, not a good plane. Keep going. Let the plane leave. Right? This should constantly be happening in our hearts. And it might seem this is really unrealistic. You may say, I have teenagers at home. Try waking them up for school. <laughs> Try waking them up. Or you, may, or you may be a teenager. And it may sound like, where's the fun in that? Where's the fun in that? I'm telling you, saints, we have a higher calling in Jesus. You know, it's okay to be a little bit different as a Christian. It's okay to realize I'm not like the world. My young people, I want to tell you, you are not like the world. This is the whole point of it. The whole point of it is that you aren't like the world. I'm going to tell you something. I have never 
in my whole life, to my knowledge, though people have tried, have had tasted any alcohol in my life. I've never tasted one lick of alcohol. Could I have? 100%. Easily. None of you would have known. Nobody would have known. 100% could have done it. I've had people, I used to go on college. When I was in college, I went on some trips out of state and out of town with some classmates to present presentations that I did research on. I used to have to order water because people would put stuff in the, in the colored drinks. So the water, at least I could see the alcohol would separate. So I used to look at my water because it was a joke to them. They thought it was funny. But I was serious about it. I did it not because of our church. I'm telling you right now, you, you don't have to believe me. That's okay. I did it because I wanted to tell the Lord. The, the world loves alcohol. I want to do something the world does not love. I want to say to the Lord, Lord, the world loves alcohol. The Bible talks about not being a drunkard. I'm not even going down that slope. I made a commitment to myself to be different. It's okay to make a difference in life. I want to encourage you. You may be looked at differently. That's okay. You may have to say, hey, this isn't as fun as I thought it may be. That's okay, because why? The hope that you have in your mind. The hope is all about Jesus. All about Jesus. This life is all about Jesus. The application here is precisely for this, saints. Live a life as it comes, but in doing so, don't lose your focus on what our hope is. Don't lose focus on what your hope is. Peter says, our mind should be focused and attentive and obedient enough for us not to lose hope. I'm going to ask you tonight, is your mind attentive, obedient, focused enough for you not to lose hope? Have you ever lost hope? I'm going to share, this can happen to anyone, believers and unbelieving. I want to share with you, when you lose hope, you lose faith. If you're weak in hope, you're going to be weak in your faith. If you start to be distracted in what your hope is, you're going to be distracted in what your faith is. If you make a mistake in your hope, you're going to make a mistake in your faith. And what I mean by faith is your walk with the Lord. If your hope is weak, your walk with the Lord will be weak. We'll see that tonight. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, why should we be obedient? Why should our minds be focused? Why should our minds be attentive? Why should our minds be full of our hope in Jesus Christ? Well, Peter says it right here, so we don't conform to the former lusts that we did when we weren't believing. The whole point of our mind being attentive and alert and focused and full of hope and full of joy is so we don't go back to what we did before. See, Peter's trying to help us. Don't go back to what you were. Stay full of hope and focus. You don't want to conform to your sinful ways like an unbeliever would. Or before you were saved, you can think about that. Hope helps us maintain our walk. Verse 15, a sober, an obedient, and a hope in Christ-filled mind allows us to be holy. Have you ever thought, I'm trying to be good. 
I'm trying to be better. I'm working at it. I'm trying to be holy. But while Peter is telling us a sober and obedient and a hope-filled mind will help you be holy. Isn't that interesting to think? Our hope started when God called us out of the sinful world, out of a sinful life, and directed us towards Jesus. God called you and moved you towards Jesus. This was the beginning of your hope. So we can have a holy life. God is holy. He called us. So by default, shouldn't we be holy? If if, if your boss is a certain way, shouldn't you be the way of your boss? You know, when I work, and I work as a, with surgeons as a physician assistant, I am able to do anything that my surgeon does. Anything that he doesn't do, I can't do. I remember one time having sort of a background in family practice and more general medicine. We had a patient in the hospital that had some blood pressure issues. I treated the blood pressure issues. The surgeon came to me and said, hey, Ben. I said, yes. What'd you do? I, I, I helped his blood pressure. What do we do? What do you mean? What am I, an orthopedic surgeon? Great. What did you work on? Blood pressure. And what do we do? Bones. What did you do? Blood pressure. He goes, you call someone for that. You see, you have, even though I could take care of it, even though I was able to take care of it, who I work for now, my boss, I fall under him. I can only do what he allows me to do. You see, with Jesus Christ, he is holy. He is holy. Therefore, by default, saints, this is going to be a, this is another place where we're different than the world. We should be holy. Everything we do should emanate holiness. A life changed. A life filled with power. A life filled with the Holy Spirit. A life filled with dedication to Jesus. Jesus, what's next for me? Jesus, where do you want me to go? Jesus, who should I talk to? Jesus, i got to stay away from this. Jesus, I should cancel my cable. Jesus, I can't be looking at this on TV. See, this is what we have. It's exciting. It's challenging. But the hope that we have in the end, what a reward. Being with Jesus in heaven. This is our hope. This should motivate us. In Leviticus 11.44, it says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy. Why? Because I am holy. The Lord doesn't ask you anything that he wanted to do of himself. Jesus stayed holy on earth. He's just asking us, be the same way. Be the same way. We have expectations when we accept ex- salvation, let me, say that, let me say that again. We have an expectation. When we accept salvation from the Lord, it's not just a prayer, but it's having a holy, changed life. That's the expectation that we have when we accept salvation. When you say, yes, Lord, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. There is an expectation on you now to maintain a sober mind, an obedient mind, and to have your life full of hope. If you're a Christian and you're feeling not hopeful, look out. Look out. I'm going to tell you right now, in all seriousness, look out. Your faith could be challenged next. 
There's so much between salvation and heaven, saints. If the Lord gives you time, there's so much when you bend the knee to salvation on this earth, to a call to be a born-again life, to when you bend your knee before our King and our Lord and our Savior someday. What are you doing in between? I have been talking about faith recently. Remember, I have said this many times, Jesus did wonder himself if you will find faith when the Son of Man returns to this earth. A sobering thought. I don't want to let him down. I don't want this church to let him down. That's on my heart. If Jesus comes back, I want this church to be full of faith. So we can't say, is there going to be faith on the earth? Hey, in East Syracuse, New York, there's faith on this earth. That's what I want out of all of us, saints. Full of faith, full of hope. We don't want to let him down. If he comes back in our lifetime, I'm going to say he's going to find faith. He's going to find faith. I'm determined of it. And faith oftentimes, so oftentimes, goes hand in hand with hope. What is your greatest hope? Whatever your greatest hope is will always be on your mind. If your hope's a relationship, looking for a relationship, that's going to be on your mind. If your hope is to drink alcohol, that will be on your mind. If your hope is to party, that will be on your mind. If your hope is to get into the Word of God, that will be on your mind. If your hope is to be at church, this will be on your mind. See, where your hope is directs your faith, and where your faith is directs your movements. If your movements are towards God, you will move towards God. Your faith, I'm sorry, if your faith is towards God, you will move towards God. What is your greatest hope? If you say, I don't think about Christ during the day, I'm busy at work. I only think about it at church. I want to tell you, danger, danger. You might be in trouble soon. Something could rock your world shortly. Peter reminds us, your mind needs to be holy, your mind needs to be sober, and your mind needs to be full of hope towards Jesus. Every decision, every thought is bounced off his will and his righteousness. Really, brother, every decision, every thought, Yes. Short answer. Yes. Every decision, every thought. Don't, be, don't get silly on me now. Should I pump gas in my car if it's empty? If you're going to be silly, you'll run out of gas. But every decision in life, pray. Ask the Lord, is this making me look holy? Is this setting myself apart? Is this being sober-minded? Is it too much? What's the other option? Do what you want to do? Bounce every idea off your own self, off your own mind? I'm going to tell you, you will be 100% in whatever you're doing. You'll be the best at whatever you're doing because you'll always be right. But you may find yourself alone someday. Because God says it's about having hope in his son, Jesus Christ, not yourself. I'm going to hammer home the home, the, the idea of having hope for a little bit here. What is the hope that drives you, saints? What is the hope to keep your mind girded, up, and focused, not discouraged, not depressed, not frustrated, not wanting to leave saints, 
not wanting to leave the church, not bitter, not wanting to stay away, not, not seeking for your own fun or your own desire. What is it that holds, that holds up the soberness of your mind? Do you think about the blood of Christ when you think about the word hope? You know, I didn't always think that until I read this account. But we can begin to see tonight hope in our minds is like the blood that was on the doorposts of the people when they were in Egypt. It reminds us of something. You know, when they had the blood on the doorposts in Egypt, it kept death away. As death came, it kept it away. Death can be anything that eats up your faith, that devours your faith. Hope on your heart can be something that keeps depression, discouragement, anger, bitterness, hate, sexual immorality, envies, quarreling, strife. It can keep it away from you. It can try to come and it will look at you, oh, he has, he has hope on his heart. He, his heart is marked with hope. It's not going to be a good place for me to land. That plane's going to be shipped right out. This is what hope can do. Most of us, when we think about the word hope and faith, we go immediately to Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. You can turn there if you want. Just a few books away. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders attained a good testimony. Faith, in a way, shows the reality of what we hope for, as I mentioned. Faith shows us our walk in life. Whatever our focus in life is, shows us what our hope is. I told you that faith and hope go hand in hand. Here we see that hope is actually the definition of faith in the Bible. When the Bible describes a definition of faith, Hope is used. Your godly faith, faith in your life and daily activities, will be made evident because of what you are hoping for with that way of life. As I mentioned, if you're going to sulk and be bitter and discouraged, cause discord, dissensions, and you hope to hurt other people, then your faith will take a terrible plunge. Your faith will take a terrible plunge. If you're hoping for despair in someone's life, your own faith can take a plunge. They go hand in hand. You can't have a righteous, godly faith without a righteous hope. The Old Testament says here, the saints, if you will, if you let me call them the saints, I'll use air quotes, the saints of the Old Testament had faith and hope and look at they were commended for it. It was a good report. Their lives were as a good report before the Lord because of their hope and faith. And guess what? They did this without ever receiving the promise of Jesus Christ. You can see this, and we won't go there, but if you read 11, chapter 11, verse 39 and 40, the people died without ever receiving the promise. In other words, these people maintained their hope, even though they never got to see Jesus Christ. They never got to see Jesus. They never understood who Jesus was. Even though their lives 
Abraham, in a way, his life spoke of Jesus and Jesus coming. He never got to see Jesus. They died never seeing the promise, but their faith and their hope that it would happen someday stayed strong, and the Lord commended it for it. Saints, when we get to heaven, wouldn't it be a blessing if the Lord said, I'm going to commend you for your good report and your faith? We have Jesus now. We have the ability to see Jesus in how he works in our lives, changing lives, changing hearts, taking away sin. But we still have a hope, and his hope, our hope now is his return. Our hope now is being with him someday for eternity. This is the hope that we hold on to. This is the hope that we can be commended for when we get to heaven someday. The faith that we have in Jesus. The Old Testament, they never saw Jesus, but they maintained their hope and faith. The New Testament, we can receive Jesus, and guess what? All of us will come before him someday. If you believe it, do you hope? Do you hope that will happen soon, saints? I hope it happens in my lifetime. How neat and exciting that would be. Amen? Peter's mentioned our hope is in Christ's return. We will receive this promise one way or another if this is our primary hope. I want to encourage you, saints, this is why Peter recommended gird up your loins of your mind because we have hope that our faith depends on it. We have a hope that our faith depends on it. Don't let anything distract your mind and behavior from what hope is. If we lose focus of our hope, we'll lose focus of our faith. Did you hear me? If you lose focus of your hope in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you tonight to have a hope in Jesus, to hope in Jesus, to have an excitement about it, to live your life full of excitement about what he has for you. Coming, yes, maybe even in the next life, you may say, Brother Ben, this life stinks for me. Okay? but the next life will not stink for you. I'm telling you that, right? The next life will not be bad for you. Have a hope that the next life will be so exciting and filled with excitement and energy and doing the work of our King every day. How exciting this will be, seeing each other, zoom by each other, fly by each other, talk to people, go before the King, come out of New Jerusalem, go back up to New Jerusalem. This is our promise. How exciting it is. When you get down someday, think, close your eyes and gird up the loins of your mind and say, I'm going to be flying in and out of the new Jerusalem. And you'll wake up, you'll, you'll feel better. I promise you, you'll feel better. Think about the hope that we have. I bet if you're thinking about that right now, your faith is already better. Your faith is already lifted up a little bit. Your heart is already excited. If you're doing something wrong, you're probably thinking, i got to get this cleaned up because I have hope. I have hope in Jesus. For the past two Sunday mornings, we've been talking about hearing about sins of the flesh. We can turn there quick. Galatians chapter 19, or Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. This may seem like a sobering turn, and it is a sobering turn. But I'd really like to back my pastor up in what he's been sharing. If I can do that. Not so much on the sexual immorality part of things, 
but on this list in, in, in general. It says in Galatians chapter 5, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and the other sins like these. Paul writes, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What an ugly list of behaviors, amen, saints? Without God, without faith, without hope in God, these behaviors can seep into our lives. They can seep into our hearts. Some of these things we do in private, no one knows except God. Other things we do right in public, in view of each other, dissensions, quarreling, jealousies. I'm not saying we, I'm saying people in general can do these things right in front of each other. Sometimes these can be in direct view of the church, direct view of other saints. These behaviors can even be known by, as a church can be known by these behaviors. Isn't it amazing to think that a church can be known by a behavior like this? And as a pastor here, the associate pastor here, I want to reiterate, as I said, a very important point that I felt was made this past Sunday. And something to really hammer home. That the salvation experience alone does not guarantee a trip to heaven. Your salvation experience alone, ask saying the sinner's prayer, asking the Lord into your heart, does not guarantee your hope will be fulfilled if your hope is heaven. Brother Brian mentioned this on Sunday in regards to pornography and sexual immorality, but saints, this is not the only sin here of the flesh. Discord, selfish ambitions, dissensions, quarreling, anger, divisions, these can all rise up as behaviors of the flesh. They can happen right in the heart of a believer. Someone may feel mistreated or dissed in some way, and before you know it, your mind can start losing hope. Your mind can start going down a road, I've been disrespected, no one cares about me, no one understands what I'm trying to do, and what happens? Sins of the flesh begin to take root. It says selfish ambitions. Before you know it, you're making decisions of your own. I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm not going to fellowship with those people. I'm going out on my own. This is not hope, saints. This is not what God desires of a church. This is not what God desires of a Christian. Someone who doesn't like seeing the direction of leadership might start going a different way. Before we know it, we can start spreading discord. You can be in quarreling with others about religious political ideologies, causing divisions, beginning to not like your neighbors. Hey, my neighbors aren't like me. Saints, we have to be careful. We have to be on guard. Our minds have to be sober. Our minds have to be tightened up. Our minds have to let those things come in. Don't land. Take off. Don't land. Don't land. Don't land. Take off. 
You might hear them. Don't let them land. Make them take off again. Let your mind be tightened, girded up. I want to take a look at something that helps put this all in perspective. A wonderful story in the Old Testament. Let's go to Joshua chapter 2. I touched on this on Sunday night. But I got into this, you know, sometimes you just start reading the Bible. You know, you can only read so many other books in life and try to get some knowledge out of them. And I just pick up my Bible sometimes and I just start reading it. And one day I was bored, picked up my Bible, just started reading it. I haven't read Joshua in a while. And I went to Joshua. And here I was in Joshua chapter 2. I won't go over the account. You guys know the account, amen? Jericho, Moses had just died. God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Hallelujah. What a, what a word that is of, our, of itself. Be strong and courageous, saints. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed in this life. But he goes on to chapter 2 where he goes to conquer Jericho. And I'm going to just brush through this quickly. If you don't know the account, you read it on your own time. But let's pick up at verse 18. It says, unless we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if, his, if a hand is laid on him. These are the words spoken to Rahab. What a wonderful woman she became. Spoken to Rahab by Joshua's spies, two spies he sent out into Jericho. These are the words that, she told, that they told her after she had protected them from discovery of the officials at Jericho. If you know this count, she hid them. You know, she had testified to the spies. You can read it in Joshua chapter 2, 11. She says this, the Lord, your God. You know, she went up after she got rid of the, the security of Jericho and sent them off on a wild goose chase. She went up to the spies and started talking. She, she started the conversation. She said, I want to tell you guys something. And this is what she said. She said, the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above. This is a, this is a sinful woman. Uh, the Bible says she was a prostitute, sold herself for money. This is what she's saying. She told him, hey, spies, I want to tell you guys something. Your God. Your Lord is the God in heaven. What a wonderful statement. And in the earth beneath. She had faith. She had faith. She began to have faith. She had faith in God. And how did she have faith in God? If you read, if you read it says that she had faith by hearing the testimony of what God did for the Red Sea. By hearing the testimony of how God conquered two great cities and two great armies and the children of Israel just mowed over them. She believed only by the words she heard. She never saw it. She never participated in it. She was in a little corner of Jericho, a little house in Jericho, yet the word spread through Jericho. It says the people's hearts were melting in fear of the Israelites because of God. They heard the testimony, 
and Rahab heard and believed. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. It says, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. See, Jericho did not believe in the God. They had fear of God. They knew about God. They heard about God. They heard about what he did, but they didn't believe. Rahab believed and it saved her when she had received the spies with peace. Rahab had made up her mind. She was done with her lifestyle. She was done with what she was doing. God presented her an opportunity for escape from that lifestyle. And she said, I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Saints, if God presents you an opportunity to give up a lifestyle of sexual morality, take it. Snatch it. All people around you may not be believing that. Snatch it. Take the opportunity like Rahab did. A lifestyle of sexual immorality. God sent two spies right by her house. She snatched them up. I want to talk to you about something. I believe in your God. I believe in the things that he's done. I want to be part of you. This is what she did. What faith she had. What an awesome testimony she is. When something happens in your heart, when your mind becomes displeased and you want to run, you want to hide, you want to lose hope, you want to lose focus, and God presents you an opportunity to escape from that, take it. Snatch it up like Rahab did. Talk about it. Talk to Jesus about it. Talk to her brother about it. Talk to her sister about it. And run. Run. Run away from that lifestyle like Rahab did. She had made up her mind. Look at how Rahab's faith towards God was expressed. She had both spiritual salvation. She worshipped the God of Israel. She worshipped him. And she had a physical deliverance. She was saved from the wicked way of life in her surroundings. See, when you snatch up that opportunity, God will restore your salvation and he'll give you deliverance from your problem. He'll snatch you up. He'll pick you up. He'll make the joy of your salvation return. And he'll separate you away from that thing that's causing you to lose hope. What a God we serve. Does he not have your back, saints? Rachel's spiritual, or I'm sorry, Rahab's spiritual salvation came because of her faith in the one true God. Before Jericho fell, she entered into the covenant family of Israel and check this out, eventually became a member of the family line that led to Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, you can read it. Unbelievable. A harlot in the corner of a huge city, a huge city that was full of wickedness, a woman stuck on sexual immorality, became in the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What can God do with you when you snatch up an opportunity to escape a lifestyle that's damning your hope? He can revive you, set you on high, and your name will ever be known in heaven as a man, as a woman who had faith and physical deliverance. Her physical deliverance, on the other hand, saints, depended on that line of starlit thread. You see, her physical, her, her spiritual salvation came by her verbalizing, I believe. I believe in your God. But her deliverance came 
on the line of scarlet thread that she hung out her window, suspended from her window. It identified her as her home as being, can I say it, under the blood. It identified her. That home is different. This is what I talked about earlier when you have hope. The hope is like the blood of Christ that's on your heart. That heart is different. When enemy comes, when Satan comes, he'll see your heart. As he passes by, that heart is different. There's a scarlet cord hanging from the windows of that heart. There's a scarlet cord hanging from the windows of that heart. That heart is under the blood. I have to ask permission before I mess with that person. You see what the blood does? It says in verse 18, unless, this is what the spies said, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. It was a line of scarlet cord that the spies were able to climb down. This thin, blood-red line constituted a very slender hope for Rahab. In the midst of such a scene of judgment and and soon-to-be total destruction, Rahab had a glimmer of hope. The line that hung out her window. The key word, hope. What's fascinating here, saints, that I found, such a neat thing that I found here, is the Hebrew word for line here occurring for the first time in the Bible. Everywhere else is translated, guess what? Hope. The line of starlet is actually the hope of starlet. Isn't that amazing? The line that she stuck out her window, the line, the rope that they climbed down was hope. What an awesome thing Rahab did. What a thing the Lord did for her that day. I have hope. My rescue hasn't happened yet. How many times did Rahab check that line? She probably went to her window. Is it still there? Is it still there? Let me move it. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's showing as good as it should. Is it still there? Do you see that hope represented for her? Salvation. It represented her an opportunity to be with the children of Israel, God's people. Saints, we should do the same. Our hope in Jesus Christ should be checked. Am I doing a good enough job? Is it showing enough? Am I showing it in what I'm wearing, Lord? Lord, is what I'm wearing showing that I have hope in you? Is how I'm talking, is how I'm talking showing that I have hope? Let me check it. Let me check it. Hey, hey, was I mean to you yesterday? I'm sorry if I was mean to you yesterday. Hey, did I say the wrong thing to you? I'm sorry. Hey, Lord, did I think the wrong thing? She probably checked that line. Do you think she got sleep that night? I wonder if she got sleep. Did the rope fall? Tired again. Hey, Mom, tired again. Tired again. You've got to remember, maybe her family did not respect her. Maybe her brother was in there being like, why did you invite me over here? This is crazy. This is stupid. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You're scum. But here she was, full of hope, full of faith, full of anticipation. The world did not discourage her. Her society could not discourage her. She had that line, that hope, stuck out her window. And that's my word for tonight, saints. My word for tonight is don't let your hope in Jesus Christ fade. Let it stick out the windows of your heart. Check on it 24-7. If, if it's a matter of life and death, stay up late checking on what that, is that hope still showing? Is that hope still there? Is that scarlet cord still sticking out my window? 
And then before you know it, she heard footsteps coming. The army of Israel was approaching. And you know what the spies were looking for? That line. If she took that line out of the window, if someone left, if she said, it's not a big deal, the hope's not a big deal, you know what? She would have died. She would have died professing, professing that, hey, you are the God of Israel. But she would have died. Her hope is what got her and saved her and made her faith become alive. Your hope in Jesus Christ will make your faith become alive. It will stop you from doing sin. It will make you bold to preach his word. Amen, saints? So, Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for this example. I'm looking forward, Lord, to meeting Rahab someday. Just to talk to her about that night. Ask her, what was she thinking? How exciting she must have been, Lord. We want to have hope in you all the time. We're looking forward to your return. We're so excited about your return. Maranatha, Lord, we're so excited to see you someday face to face. We can't wait. But in the meantime, let our faith be vibrant and exciting and whole and unhindered by what this world says or does. In your holy name, amen. Saints, go full of hope and faith in Jesus Christ. God bless.